my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project UP, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. Joined by Ben Raven. I'm Kyle Mikey. We are the Line Speak here at MLive. Uh, ben, it has been an insane week, an insane yeah. two days of of joint practices. Uh, our heads are spinning just a little bit. We just walked off the uh, practice field here on, on Wednesday, uh, August 9th, day, I don't know, 12 of training yeah. camp, day two of, of joint <laughs> practices. How are you feeling? <laughs> you know, good. It is definitely at that point of training camp where you could just tell me day, double digit number, and I would believe you for sure, especially after two just jam packed days like this with two full fields of action. But man, we got a lot of meat on the bone, no doubt. So a lot of stuff. Uh, quieter day for Lions today, but we'll get into that more later. It, 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 I mean, I don't know quiet. It was not quiet. Uh, Excuse it, me. I, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what you're talking about because <laughs> I, like, there's just so much to watch. There's two fields going on simultaneously. The the, the stands were, I think, it was a sellout uh, both days. I saw Tigers players here. I saw Barry Sanders here. We just saw had Chris Collinsworth yeah. <laughs> go through this room that we're recording in just like a couple minutes ago, um, barging in on on our recording. Um, uh, that the governor was here, Gretchen yeah. Whitmer. We'll have some audio from that later in the podcast. Um, they have a, a good interview uh, on deck with Dan Duggan, the um, giant speed writer for The Athletic. He gave us kind of a outsider's perspective on what he saw here in Allen Park and Lions training camp, his perspective on Dan Campbell. There's some good stuff in there. Um, Football-wise, Ben, um, I mean, there was a lot to take in. You watched Lions defense on day one. I watched Lions yeah. offense. We flipped it here on Day two, I guess just before we really dive mm-hmm. in, was there something or someone that really stood out to you from these two days of joint practices? Yeah, I, I think considering today, uh, Kirby Joseph is at the top of my list for sure. He On day one, he was everywhere where he needed to be. And I mean, Dan Campbell talked about it this morning, just the growth that he's showing, sharing those safety reps with CJ Gardner-Johnson back there too. I mean, you can see him feeding off of it. You can see him reading off of it. I mean, I don't think he made a single mistake in coverage on day one. I mean, he was there, he was making hits, he was going up and making plays, and he just seems so confident. And when you've got CJ screaming in your ear every five seconds, party boy styling, dancing up and down the sideline on every play that's made, I think that really just taps into the real Kirby Joseph, and it's really just kind of bringing him out personality-wise and as a player. I mean, that's a ball. we talked about that last week, but that is a ball-hawking duo, and I just kind of – I saw arrow up on day one for sure from those two guys. I mean, the Lions defense, the coverage was sticky. They made life hell for Daniel Jones in that passing attack on day one. I mean, there was like nothing past eight or nine yards. It, I mean, you can't talk about, I feel like, 
what's happening at safety right now without talking about Brian Branch because Brian Branch has right. affected the the alignment back there. Um, I think when they brought in CJ Garner Johnson in free agency, the allure was this guy's awesome. He also talks and talks and talks. <laughs> uh, you couldn't not hear him at, uh, at, at practice. He was in, and I told a great story that we'll hear more uh, in our interview with Dan Duggan at the end of this podcast, but um, you know, like, he was so loud in the ear of Ben Johnson while Ben Johnson's trying to call plays that Ben Johnson had to go to the back of the end zone basically <laughs> to get away from Gardner Johnson. Like there's a lot that that guy brings and that's why they brought him in. But one of the biggest reasons they liked uh, Gardner Johnson was that he could play in the slot or at safety or anywhere else basically in the back end of the defense. He, he played primarily in the slot in New Orleans, was very good there, moved to safety last year in Philadelphia, led the whole league in interceptions. Uh, the ball hawking was a big part of uh, why they brought him in as well. He comes here. He's in the slot initially, which is, what the, I think, the original plan. The problem is, is that put Brian Branch, the rookie second-round pick, with the second team. And Brian Branch just continued to make plays and make plays and make plays and coverage and the pass rush, whatever. I mean, all over the field. He's got like three, four interceptions in camp. I think he has probably the most interceptions of anyone in camp. Um, and so now he's repping with the ones that's moved Gardner Johnson to safety. And so someone has to go at safety from the first team. And that has been Tracy Walker, who has been solid, but doesn't have the ball hawking of a Gardner Johnson, or for that matter, to your point, Ben, Kirby Joseph. And those guys in the back end of the defense with, again, Branch getting his hands on uh, balls uh, in, in the slot just gives this defense a different set of teeth in the back end. They have been really handsy somewhat i mean far more than i'm used to seeing for the lions secondary which has been you know they've, they've struggled for years now um so i'm, I'm with you like kirby joseph has, has been very 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 good in camp um one of the best defensive players for sure um i watched i watched the defense today Darius slayton was a, a problem for the lions today uh in seven on sevens daniel jones completed his first 10 passes in seven on sevens and that stretch was interrupted by none other than Kirby Joseph breaking up pass uh, in the end zone. It, it's just been that kind of camp for Kirby Joseph. And I, you know, we, we saw him come off the bench last year to lead the lines and picks. And I think you're going to see much more of that this season. To your point with branch, he's been too good to keep off the field. I mean, there's not a play where he's not trying to punch the ball out when the ball is in his been. It's just, I mean, it's, it's clear as day. And I mean, it's not even anything against Tracy. It is, you just see this matches up with everything they Aaron Glenn has talked about wanting to do with the back of his defense. I mean, he talks about he wants all of his safeties to be able to move inside, go up and make plays, lay down the big hits. And they've they've got that in those two guys. I mean, <laughs> can you I mean their secondary is so deep that Tracy Walker's been playing with the second team right now. Yeah. I mean, that's a team voted captain, someone we expected to start, but I mean, it's just the way it's trending. I mean, this is this is what was working on day one for sure. Cam Sutton, I think, has also played. Yeah well um for the defense uh, had a few more plays uh, today really i think the giants receivers had more trouble with him than maybe any of the other cornerbacks on the field so that's reassuring to see but i don't think we can talk about the stars of lions camp or joint practices about talking about aman ross st brown who i mean he was he was so good last year he's a pro bowl receiver he's matched the nfl record for catches in any player's first two seasons uh, as a fourth round pick and like I'll be damned if he's not better it's in this camp. Question. He's a monster. Mm -hmm. Like I was just telling my 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 roommate yesterday, like because he was asking about he's a big Lions fan. Uh, and by the way, he did the the, the uh, music for our. That's podcast, right. That's so. right. <laughs> 
Um, but no, I was just telling him like, the only way Amon Ross St. Brown doesn't make a catch is if there's a bad mm-hmm. pass. He catches everything. Like he catches everything to the point where I remember the one drop he made. And then he sat on his knee for like 10 minutes afterward because he was so pissed. And I went to the jugs machine and caught all 202 footballs because he was so pissed. And that's it. That's the only blip. I mean, like it, it, he's just been remarkable and uh, has been remarkable again this week. Really ate up the Giants uh, secondary. Um, I thought the, the offense played very well yesterday. And St. Brown was, I mean, he caught... Uh, you know, Goff was eight of eight during seven on sevens. Mm. He caught half those passes. They go to team stuff. He catches three of the first four passes. They go to red zone drills and he's catching the third down pass, moves the chains and set up, sets up the touchdown. I mean, it's when Jared Goff needs something, he goes to Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. We've seen that previously. Amon Ross St. Brown was, I think, third or fourth in the league last year and third down catches that move the chains. And I'll be damned, Ben, if we don't see more of that this year. I think he's leaning on him even more heavily. And with no JMO for the first six games of the year, I think there's going to be even more footballs going his way. Absolutely. And I I, I got a different version of the offense today, and it wasn't on Amon Ross St. Brown. The quarterbacks just had a heck of a time today. And, uh, you know, you talk about – I remember that St. Brown drop last week. He put he put a ball on the ground today, fumbled, mm. and lost the fumble. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau actually had two fumble recoveries, and St. Brown dropped the one, and he did – he was – I mean, you could, like, feel – how pissed off he was from the sideline. But yeah, today it was uh it was a bad day for the quarterbacks today. But no, St. Brown, I mean, because he's been the thing that I've noticed the most on the Lions and what I saw on like from what I saw on day one is he's so much better on the outside this year, too. And that was something he he's great, whatever they do with him. Like he's their best offense player. He's been the best player on the field almost every day we've been out here in training camp so far. But like you know, his production took a dip when Shark went out and he had to handle his reps. And I don't see that happening this year. And you're going to see him get used in that role more through those first six weeks. And it's just he's going to he's going to flirt with all pro territory if he's healthy this year. There's just no way around it. He is the safety ball for Jared Goff every single time, for sure. In speaking with Dan Campbell, um, you know, this morning on, on Wednesday, day two of, of joint practices, um, you know, he was asked about young guys who have stood out. Um, that's always a barometer for these uh, joint practices, right? Because it's your really, I mean, your first real opportunity to see these guys and how they'll do in a totally different environment. It's one thing to go up against the same guys every day. It's a defense you can get to know, but it's different when you see that blue and red paint come in and different players who um, do different things and have different strengths and weaknesses. You can get a much better sense for the how equipped these young guys are for the challenges to come. And uh, I don't think it's no coincidence that Dan Campbell first mentioned Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta has, um, he's just looked like tight end one. I mean, since maybe rookie minicamp, and if not then, then certainly early in OTAs. I think he was the first rookie uh, to be drawing the majority of first team reps at his position, even before Jack Campbell, even before Jameer Gibbs. And Jameer Gibbs, by the way, Hell of a week this week oh, yeah. the Giants. He was a problem. Yeah. Yep. But like, like, like Jameer Gibbs is gonna be a home run threat in this offense. You know, it, it, like he's kind of like Amon Ross St. Brown in that he you can use him in the backfield, you can use him in the slot, you can split him out wide. Those guys are gonna be such interchangeable parts. But whereas St. Brown is all about like doing everything right, um, you know, fundamentals, being in the right spot, finding space, exploiting yeah. mismatches in the defense. Gibbs is about speed. He, he can just burn the hell out of you. And, and that's what he's done to the Giants this week. Laporta, 
um, the, the second round tight end, Ben, I think is going to rack up a ton of catches, even as a rookie. You don't typically see that for rookie tight ends. And I feel like I'm going out on a shaky limb <laughs> a little bit <laughs> saying that. And we've seen it before on this time with Eric Ebron, yeah. with, you know, Brandon Pettigrew, uh, with TJ Hawkinson. I mean, Hawkinson became, he's one of the best tight ends in the league right now, but he, as a rookie, had um, mitigated production and success. It's just a hard position to play. Eric Ebron, we all know the, the struggles there. Um, and I think there's immaturity and stuff. I, I think that's safe to say. Yeah, that's pretty safe to say. Um, yeah. <laughs> Checks out. With Laporta, there's a maturity to, to not just him, but his game, the way he runs routes. Like it's just, he just runs very nice routes. And yet, of course, he has a lot, you know, a lot to learn. He's not a finished product, but he runs well. He does what's expected of him. That makes him a reliable person to target for Jared Goff. And he is. I, 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 I'll, I really think Laporta has probably caught more passes than everyone besides Amon Ross St. Brown in training camp with the first team. And I don't know if that will hold once the season starts. He's going to get a lot thrown at him. There's bigger, faster, stronger guys um, than he's ever seen in his career before. And game game speed is totally something else, even from joint practices. But seeing him mix it up this week with the Giants and still hold his own and still catch passes and still be productive and still be that number two target for Jared Goff. I think the arrow is pointing for me decidedly up on Sam Laporta. Yeah. And I, I, the hesitancy is, I feel that too. I did a fantasy hit last week and it was like, this dude could be top 15 at his position. Don't burn me in eight weeks when he's a rookie tight end. But I mean, (laughs) he, he, the one standout play he had today was like an NFL veteran type move. I mean, he was trying to get to the sideline as quickly as possible and he took a massive hit within the first two yards of his route. He got through, made the play, turned up field. I mean, he is just – the thing about Sam Laporta that's really impressed me is every time he catches the ball, he's already two steps ahead because he's looking forward. He's looking how to add more, and that is just such – we've said it time and time again, it's such a good thing to have for Jared Goff and his style. I mean, he's an accurate, short to intermediate guy who can cook you on play-action crossers, and, I mean, Laporta is just such a crisp route runner, and, I mean – it's crazy how many rookies can't build. I mean, he listed like five guys off the top of his head. And I think it was, yeah, here it is right here. It was Laporta, Gibbs, Branch, Starling Thomas, and I think Alex, yeah, got a shout out too. No, uh, Dylan Drummond. Dylan Drummond, yeah, the uh, EMU kid. Yeah. Right. right. So we we talked about those those top three guys, and I think there's no surprise there, right? Three of the first yeah. four draft picks. That's very real. Um, yeah. So let's talk about two things. First, let's talk about Jack Campbell, who was a first-round pick, who was not mentioned mm-hmm. among those guys. What have you seen from Jack Campbell these these last two days, and how ready do you think he is to, if not be a part of the rotation, then, then start uh, come the season? I think the thing that's going to really save Jack Campbell on day one is that size and length and speed. It really covers a lot of his rookie mistakes. I mean, I, I, he only had one rep where he was guarding Darren Waller when I saw it on day one. And it didn't go well. He just yeah. he, he wasn't there. Like, he wasn't even there to make a play. It was a misread. Waller must have seen something and read with it. But I just – I saw somebody that – he looked like a rookie when I was watching him. I mean, when yeah. Der- Derek Barnes – was looking better than him yesterday. Malcolm Rodriguez made some plays in coverage yesterday. That doesn't concern me about Jack Campbell because I still see 
the size, the speed, and the length making up for those rookie mistakes. And, like, there wasn't a standout play yesterday, but he did look like a rookie that got caught on his feet a couple of times. Yeah, I don't think anyone should have a long-term no. concern about Jack Cam. I'm just talking about the short term because oh, yeah, I'm yeah, looking yeah. at the, the date on the computer right now. It's August 8th. 28th. Uh, August 9th, rather. <laughs> uh, the season starts on September 7th, so yeah. less than a month away. Yeah, This guy has four weeks to figure it out. And uh, yeah, I see a lot of mistakes out there from Jack Cam. Mm-hmm. And nothing to be concerned by necessarily, but you and he has instincts, which is something you can't teach. He has size and speed, which you can't teach. But he's making mistakes that you 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 can teach, Mm -hmm. and that's just the process they're in with Jack Campbell right now. And I think him taking so many reps for the second team says a lot about where he's at in that rotation. You mentioned the name Derek Barnes, Ben. Is there a more improved player in training camp than Derek Barnes? No, I don't, not, not I, at all. I agree with you. If yeah. I was crowning, and there's no such award as most improved player in training camp, <laughs> but if it existed, I'd give it to It'd Derek Barnes. Right next to his Nickelodeon MVP we, award. We've, we've, we're, we're losing the thread here. No, uh, like Derek Barnes is a name that we've heard about how different coaches yeah. for two full mm-hmm. seasons. And even last year when – he wasn't turning a corner. Kelvin Shepard, the position coach, is going out there and saying, Derek Barnes is coming. Derek Barnes is coming. I'm sitting there thinking, this is a coach touting a guy that needs to be touted, that needs to like be pumped up a little bit, have some confidence maybe. I'm not taking this as a fact that Derek Barnes yeah. is coming because I've never seen it from him. And even last year, they're playing a rookie sixth-round pick over him. Yeah. And Ben – Derek Barnes is coming now. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and I don't know what that means because obviously Jack Campbell is the future and they just signed Alex Anzalone to a three-year big money contract. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're looking at um, in terms of starters and primary roles uh, eventually. But Derek Barnes is not making that easy. And if they open the season in Kansas City and Jack Campbell's ass is on the bench yeah. and um, Derek Barnes is in the starting lineup, it will be because he earned it. He, he looks good. And just today, like, I, he made one of his best plays of camp. He's not really an interceptions guy. I wouldn't say coverage is his thing. He's, he looks really good as a pass rusher. Looks really good at like, making plays in the backfield uh, against the running game and so on. Coverage is not his thing. Today, he dropped into coverage. Basically, so he read Daniel Jones's eyes, yeah. jumped a route. Basically, like, the ball was coming right into the, the target's hands and basically just took it right out of his hands. And then dropped it. Yeah. So he didn't get the pick, but you really love the play and you really love the maturation of his game. And that could mean, you no, know, I mean, that could eat into Jack Campbell's snaps to, to open the season. That'll be something to watch, I think. And if it happens, that's a good sign because you draft mm-hmm. Jack Campbell to play. And if he's not playing because some other guy is playing that much better, as you know, with Derek Barnes, it's because he's earned it. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention about Campbell and what he mentioned about the young guys. He mentioned Starling Thomas after those first three yeah. dudes. Starling Thomas, if you don't know his name, is a um, UDFA out of UAB. Yeah. He's he's not a household name. Um, it, he comes in and he kind of looks like he belongs. And we wrote about it a little bit in our observations from day one. And I don't, I don't think he did too much on day two to really stand out, good or bad. But day one, he really impressed me. He's a tenacious dude, Ben. So, like, I think he's in very good position to make this team. What have you seen from Starling Thomas that you think makes him uh, a fit? Man, he is like a faster, feistier version of Jerry Jacobs. Like, it's such an easy comparison. But he is in there. Even when he's making mistakes, he's flying 110 miles an hour back to where he needs to be. I mean, and on day one, 
he had he had such a clean interception on a nice read on one on one drills, and then I I mean I think he had three pass breakups. I counted in elevens yesterday. I mean he's just flying around. He's got some underrated speed to him too, but there's just that feistiness. He's not afraid to get up on the line of scrimmage and punch you in the face. And my God, if you say one crossword to that guy, whether you're a teammate, whether you're a Giants player, he's in your face, and you're needing someone to pull him away. Absolutely, but I, I mean. Like I said, like if, if you say something to him, he's letting you know about it and he's not backing down until somebody pulls him away. Well, that's he's got a little um like <laughs> term, like like Jerry Jacobs is a great example, and they've used that too. And I think it's a natural comparison because of both undrafted um defensive backs yeah. who come in and are, are feisty and everything. Um and they're not afraid to mix it up with everyone. I I I guess that is maybe the best comp because I I love that. Like he comes in. And okay, here's the name I was thinking of. It's yeah, a totally different position, but I'm on Ross St. Brown. Yeah, he comes yeah. in as a rookie. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, two summers ago, fourth round pick has something to prove. He's he's not that big. He's not that fast. He he's just kind of average in all like the physical ways. What's great about him is everything else. And I remember he comes in and it's like day one of hitting. And Amon Ross St. Brown <laughs> is fighting <laughs> Jeff Okuda, <laughs> the top five pick. <laughs> I, I mean, like he, it, it didn't matter to him, you know. Like, like he's yeah. not afraid of anyone, and that's what I see in Starling yeah. Thomas. Like, it could be, I know that you have you had UDFA in front of him. It could be Jamison Williams. He's yeah. taking it, like taking it at him, you know. And I'll give, give credit to Starling Thomas because he got in JMO's face early in camp, and JMO took a swing at him, and Starling Thomas just kept jawing, but he never took it over the line. He never took a swing nope. back. Kept it like within check, and you know, like. Like he wants to be a good teammate, but like I love the tenacious, the fearlessness of his attitude and what he brings. And that is, I mean, you should listen to Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell talk away from microphones about Jerry Jacobs. It's like he's their firstborn or something. Yep. They love Jerry Jacobs, and Jerry Jacobs has a nice skill set. I don't think his skill set is necessarily something that you love, but it's the attitude that he plays with, the physicality that he plays with. And that's the kind of thing they they want to build their defense around. That's why Jerry Jacobs is here. It's why he's with the ones right now. Um, and I think it's a big thing that Starling Thomas has going for him. And listen, Ben, he has to play well in the preseason games. Um, you know, there's more joint practices next week. But I thought Starling Thomas really held his own on the field today. He showed he can play ball. And beyond that, He's an enforcer in the secondary. And that's what they want to build around. And really, like at this point, like I, I, like he's on the bubble, but on the right side of the bubble for me. I think he's gonna he's trending toward making this team. Yeah, no, he was kind of in the like the Gilmore like camp at like ten days ago. It felt like, and it just feels like he's like lapped past that. I mean, I I, I feel pretty good about a chance his chances as we stand right now after joint practice with the Giants about him making this roster for sure. I mean, I was impressed with. Him. Him and, him and Jerry rotating on the other side of Sutton on day one was they held their own. They really did hold their own. So we got some audio coming up from Gretchen Whitmer, the governor who dropped in on Lions practice and also an interview with Dan, Dan Duggan, who covers uh, the New York Giants. Um, for the athletic to get kind of an outsider's perspective. So we're running a little bit short on time. Uh, I'm curious before we get out of here though, Ben, um, do you have any concerns coming out of joint practices uh, with the Giants? Anything that, that surfaced this week um, that, that maybe is a, a something that has to be tended to here going forward? From day one, I was concerned with just how perplexed the Lions defense looked 
with any sort of delayed read run. And that is like the giant's bread and butter. So obviously, and it's tough to gauge that in practices like this, where you're not trying to kill each other, but it just seemed so out of place on any de- sort of delayed read run where Jones was just had a couple, like three seconds to make a decision. I was a little concerned like that. It seemed like the defensive line either pushed up too far into the pocket and got out of place, or they kind of sat back and waited for the action to come to them. And that was an issue last year. You want to see that get cleaned up and, just from today, the biggest concern was, can Teddy get here yet? Because <laughs> this was Nate Sudfeld's worst practice, for sure. I mean, I'm going to have a hard time with, like, the receiver part of observations because, like, the quarterbacks couldn't get him the ball. Jamo goes deep. He's there. He's there. He's there. Sudfeld is so short, so late, and it's just – you see the frustration. It, it was an ugly day. But, yeah, get Teddy here and uh, get some more looks in for some mobile quarterback that will fake a delayed handoff and – I think they'll be on the right track. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking about like delayed reads and so on. Like, I think just in general, the run defense mm-hmm. has has some some things to work out, and that was revealed. Again, I focused on the defense today. You were on them yesterday. You know, I thought the pass defense had some really nice moments. You see elevated play from the linebackers. We talked about Derek Barnes. Alex Anzalone still plays at a high level, but the run defense for me was still getting gashed. And listen. Those guys still have Saquon Barkley. Yeah. So, you know, that's a heavy challenge, and the challenge won't always be that heavy. Um, but something to work on certainly going forward. Also, you mentioned JMO earlier. You know, it's a it's a constant talking point with us, and that's what happens with an, you know, with a 12th yeah. overall pick and someone that you want to build your offense around. They want him to be their home run vertical threat. Uh, he's still not that. Uh, he has no problem getting separation, but it's everything else about his game that still has to come along, and we don't have to belabor those points we've talked about it pretty extensively mm-hmm. i would say I've, I've seen fewer drops in recent days which is a positive development yeah but on the other hand ben like i don't remember the last time i saw him take a first team rep he, he is yeah. exclusively with the second team right now and i guess we're getting to that point in camp where you're trying to get the guys ready who are going to play for you to open the season but you have to weigh that with long term where this guy where do you want him to be in your offense? And they want him to be this home run threat. And it's hard to get that chemistry with Goff when he's not playing with Goff. Yeah. They do they do some one-on-ones together. Um, but like it's usually Nate Sedfeld throwing him the football. And right now it looks like Nate Sedfeld's probably not gonna be on this team. Mm-hmm. So and even and even by the way, with the second team, I would say Jamo's not that productive. In the scrimmage, he had two short catches on the first day of joint practices. I think he had he caught one bomb from Sudfeld and then two passes at the line of scrimmage, and that was it. So it's not even like he's making hay with the backups, playing against backups. So I, you know, I, I would say good steps from JMO in that the speed is always there. And I would say I've seen fewer drops from him in the last week or so. Those are positive developments, but you still want to see more production. And for me, I want to see more first team work because he might not play those first six weeks, but to get where you want to go, to win the division, to go to the playoffs, to win a a game yeah. in the playoffs, you need that guy fully operational. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how much getting in a lot of work with Nate Sudfeld is going to get you there. No, exactly. And I think that's why they need to, as Dan Campbell said, douse him with game reps in the preseason. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, it's a good quote. It's, it's 100% what he needs because I think he had one catch in seven on sevens today on a quick slant. Like there's just two days of joint practices and the only play I can remember JMO is not getting a catch on a deep ball. That wasn't his fault, but it's just like the production, the stats yeah. aren't there. You're playing against, you're playing against Imani Owarie in second team corners. Like get it, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it just hasn't been there. Like you said, steps in the right direction. He's not dropping five balls on air to start the day, but like, yeah, I still, 
I still just want to see the dude play football, and I feel like I haven't. Yeah. We saw him some this week, but but with the second teams. Um, ben, let's get to Dan Duggan, the athletic beat writer um, covering the Giants. Gave us a really nice perspective, I feel like, of just coming into Allen Park, feeling some differences here from the last time he was yeah. here in 2018. So, yeah, quite uh, quite a difference, I would say. Um, uh, and uh, and so on. So let's get to, to Dan's perspective uh, on joint practices here in Allen Park. Yeah, so the last, I was actually here in 2018. Um, I would say the vibes a lot different. <laughs> Dan Campbell comes with a little more enthusiasm into that press conference. It was funny because I'm not, you know, I've seen him obviously on TV and interviews and stuff, but I'm not around him every day. And one of you, one of the beat reporters just even said like, you're a little jacked up even for you. Cause I was in there thinking like, my goodness, this yeah. guy's like out of breath shaking the podium. Um, so that's, it's just cool to see that again. I don't know. It's like every day. I'm sure he's yeah. like that energy wise. Um, but for coming in and Dave was kind of a little more subdued. Yeah. So being around a head coach like that was, it was definitely a jolt and you, and you felt it. Um, and I think that carries over. Actually, one of my um, colleagues asked if like he kind of preaches to the team to bring energy and he's like, no, nah, that's just kind of yeah. how they are. And you definitely saw that, especially yesterday. I felt like in the first joint practice, the lions just had more juice. Like they had like a swagger about them. I think a lot of that starts with CJ Gardner Johnson. He doesn't stop talking. <laughs> you can't not hear the guy. Yeah, even from like two fields away. Right. So he definitely brought that. And then you saw that red zone period at the end where it seemed like every play for the Giants ended up on their sideline. And it was usually like, you know, a successful play for the Lions. So they're letting the Giants know about it. So that was uh, that was fun to see. I mean, definitely a lot of energy. I felt like today the Giants kind of, you know, it was much more of an even fight. But that was my you're talking about first impressions. I just felt like the energy and obviously I think it starts up top, but then, you know, I carried over onto the yeah. field. Dan Campbell at this point is kind of a, a national figure. People know what he's about. He's a he's a quirky guy he's a highly caffeinated guy <laughs> like you know he's really into a press conference when he grips the podium like with his wrists to the inside like, i swear he's gonna like break his wrist sometime <laughs> like breaking that thing apart i'm just curious the the dan campbell you've seen in the headlines versus the dan campbell you've now seen in person i'm curious how that aligns for you yeah i mean it's he's an interesting figure for sure i mean obviously like everyone i kind of watch hard knocks and he's like an easy guy again you know we're beat writers you don't root for anything but he's an easy guy to root for and like because he just brings a different energy i've covered we were talking before we came on how many coaches i've covered it's eight years and i'm on my fourth the second uh year i haven't gotten to a year three with any regime yet yeah um but most of them are kind of from the same school of like don't say much be monotone and he's anything but that so it's kind of refreshing uh even just talking to some giants people because he has connections obviously there's a player and his connections with Dable from uh, being assistants together, they really you know speak very highly of him. You know, obviously he is like this big personality, but just like a really good guy. And um, you know, I think he's always kind of kept a good relationship with them there. So yeah, I mean, I've not, I've heard nothing but good things. Um, so I'm sure if you're a Lions fan, he's an exciting guy to lead your team. And, and obviously, I think the expectations this year could be really exciting because of him on like a winning team going to the playoffs. I think it could be a lot of fun for everybody. All right, interesting stuff from Dan Duggan of the Athletic. Um, I, I really enjoy getting a outsider's perspective on you know just the goings on here um, in training camp, uh, the differences he's seen sure. since the last time he was here when you know Matt <laughs> Patricia was here. Yeah, it's, it's slightly different. Um, getting some perspective on someone you know on, on Dan Campbell versus Dan Campbell from the headlines. Um, what do you think of what he had to say? I love having the reminder of like how weird our past life was on this beat and just yeah. someone that was here in 2018 and then flash forward today. And it's just like, 
I'm glad somebody asked if he was super hyped up because he looked like he was about to like rip the podium in half. And I just, I, I love getting a different perspective on Dan Campbell. Like, is he like this every day? Does he like fill newspapers like this every day? <laughs> like, so, the answer okay. is yes. <laughs> yes. He is, we is. have a little less caffeine. He was, he was a little, he was a little jumpy on day one. I think I was actually in my headline, Dan Campbell out of breath. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> but he's a joy to cover it. Like just from a personal, like reporter standpoint, um, I mean, I, the professionalism is an all-time high, which as someone who's a veteran of the Matt Patricia era, I, I appreciate. <laughs> There's a level of professionality. Um, but obviously, like, you know, just a really entertaining guy who is willing to talk about his team. I mean, it's just it's just not as common anymore in the NFL. So we're, we're I think we're kind of spoiled by by Dan. Oh, we are 100% spoiled yeah. by Dan. Yeah. Um, and it, big week, obviously. Uh, the that, stars. It, no, the, the, the stars came out for joint <laughs> practices. I saw some Tigers out there. Um, today, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, right. Mike Tarico was out here. Chris Collinsworth. We had um, Jason Garrett out here the other day. You know, just it, the, the level of, like, national exposure this team is getting is crazy. I saw Sports Illustrated. I yeah. saw USA Today. Fox NFL Sunday crew was here. Dude, yeah. the Atlantic <laughs> was here. Like several days, really. Like the political, like the mostly a political awesome. uh, deal, and yeah, Tim Alberta, he's been out here. Oh, Tim is um, out here, good. Nice. Yeah, Tim does a fabulous job for them. But no, just like it's the obviously this is people are high in the Lions. They're favored to win the division for the first time since 1993, 30 years ago. Um, people expect good. big things, and one of those people is Gretchen Whitmer, who <laughs> you know she's not a Lions expert, but she is the governor of this state um she's from this state and so you know caught up with her uh at a, a little scrum at time at a press conference she was just um she attended practice today talked with Aiden Hutchinson afterwards some other people <laughs> um I, I believe she knows very well the owner Sheila Hamp um and so yeah she Gretchen Whitman was out here had a chance to catch up with her during a, a little press scrum uh, and here is that as we um head off into next week it was cool. I think everyone's so excited. Um, and, you know, while everything feels so divisive in this moment, the state of Michigan's united and excited about the Lions this year. You know, you can just feel the momentum. You saw the hard work pay off. They got a great team. Um, they've been really strategic in terms of building the team and the roster. And I just think it's going to be a great year. And, and you can feel the enthusiasm as I get across the state. This is yeah, we usually have our handful of Packers fans in the northern part of the Upper Peninsula, but I think everyone's going with the Lions this year. Do you want to help drive the hype train? <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> this has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google, like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.